0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to yet another episode of Rick for Dirt, the podcast that brings the adventure to you. And I am stoked for a change. We are kind of in the lap of luxury here, overlooking <laughs> the ocean.
1: It doesn't suck.
0: It does not suck out in <laughs> Encinitas, California. Um, we were going to do it on the beach, but honestly, it's so nice over here that uh, we met up with Emily from the Rebel Rally. Um, just so you know, I am Ali. I'm Frank. And uh, one thing before we get into uh, our interview with Emily, we want to say huge thanks to DeMello Off-Road, who came on as a
2: presenting sponsor
0: sponsor with Milestar Tires. So these are two uh, huge brands, uh, DeMello for Frank, who's Mm -hmm. been very active and involved in your program and what you're doing. Yeah, exactly, and building the FJ, yep. And actually, we've had two episodes with them, which is pretty cool. Um, and then also Milestar, which has been a huge supporter of mine in this past year, uh, and we've had them on. We've had we've had uh, Martin from Milestar on. Uh, he actually made a cameo. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Oh, a, that's right. It was it, twice. It was, you're, yeah, <laughs> right, you're right. Yeah, he had a he had a cameo when we were out in Big Bear, and then uh, we we sat down with him and, and talked some more in depth. Um, so we're just super thankful that there's people that you know, a you guys who are listening and. Are constantly, you know, supporting us, whether you're out there buying our merch, you're tuning in, you're giving us reviews, you're posting about it on Instagram, you're supporting us on Instagram. Every single one of those things is just huge for us.
1: Yeah, it all helps, 100%.
0: And it's kind of gotten us to this point where now, you know, other companies are starting to um, notice and be interested and uh, they like what we're doing. As much as I swear on here, I'm surprised. Um, (laughs) And... uh, And it's 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 cool to see the community come together. And, you know, me and Frank are now, I think, into our third year.
1: Yeah, this is the beginning. This actually, yeah, this January, which is in this episode, um, will begin our first year. This is the first episode of the third year. Man, time has flown.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And let me tell you, this past week, I don't know about you, but it was rough. rough. (laughs) It's felt like a month. Coming
1: coming back from from the break and, you know, by the break, I mean, like, I guess staying at home still. But not working some of those days (laughs) from Christmas and New Year, like, oh, man, January 4th was like, it was like a kick in the pants. Like, hey, welcome back. Floodgates are open. Oh, dude.
0: (laughs) I mean, it was like Q1 in one week.
3: Yeah,
1: that's exactly what it was like. Yes.
0: Um, But Emily, we're not ignoring you. Nope. Hi.
3: Hi. (laughs) How's it going? (laughs) It's going great.
0: So what is your official title with the Rebel Rally?
3: Uh, I would say probably Chief Janitor.
0: Chief, chief janitor, janitor. chief uh, fire firewoman. <laughs> spoken spoken like a true person in charge.
3: <laughs> yep, all the jobs that people don't want to do, I get right. to do. Nice, yeah. I so. get to I get to lie awake in bed at night and stress and worry and dream and right. think about courses and challenges and and. Uh, and the janitor's, job. And the janitor's
0: <laughs> job. There is just so much to unpack with everything you do though. Right. I mean, like yes. between the education, between like the rally lot. itself. Yeah.
1: So and that's like, without even getting into who Emily is, right? Like, you know, as far as, you know, your, your history, you know, where, how, where you cut your teeth in racing and got started and you know, all that stuff up until now, like it's, it, there's a lot, I think you're right. Yeah.
0: yeah. And so what we, uh, what we used to do in which we can start doing now that we're starting to get back out there is let's start from, The beginning of what we've done between the last podcast up to this point that we're sitting with Emily.
1: Oh, you mean like racing out of Lytle Creek? Yeah, (laughs) racing out of Lytle
0: Creek, (laughs) like sliding. Some people were sliding out of Lytle Creek. I mean, I uh, I got it in mind that I've been so just over this like complete self containment, and I'm thinking, all right, me and Frank just survived COVID. We went through it. We dealt with it. Right. Came out unscathed. Knock on wood. Um, And I'm like, hey. We haven't seen our friends in a long time. Yes,
1: I think that was—I think that was the biggest thing that happened mm-hmm. when we went to Lytle Creek. There was what seven other people there with us. Correct. Like, and we were distanced, but just being able to joke and laugh with them, even if it if, even if it oh, was man. six yeah. to ten feet away from them, like, man, talk about like mentally uplifting. Like it's just you're right. Like you yes, you're with your family and you're at home, but it's so different when you're just outside in the sun and the fresh air and your friends are cracking jokes. Everyone, the vibe, the mood, everything is so different. Like it's yeah, that was that was a major reset.
0: Well, I mean, I felt like, hey, I got thirty at least thirty days of immunity. Like based at least. off like the free <laughs> shot, right? So, you know, I'm gonna go enjoy myself as a prince, you know? And uh um uh, we went up there was snow still up in the up in the hills. It's Lido Creek's about I'd say 45 minutes uh, east of where I live, out in Riverside area, and uh, it's a it's a real locals kind of trail. It is kind
1: of a locals kind of yeah.
0: But there's cool terrain. There's <clears throat> a lot of area to explore and room to to play around. I, I mean, I took my kids right after it snowed yeah. two weeks ago. Um, almost three days. I, actually, yeah, three days. We went back back to back. Oh wow! <laughs> um, just to really like maximize that one snowfall, right. and. Uh, and then the whole group went up, and unfortunately took us down the wrong trail. Which probably isn't unfortunate because nobody could even get up like a right. small grade, right. let alone what I was planning to take everybody it up. It was so. like
1: one of those humbling moments where you see this little hill that's maybe a five degree slope, like it's so nothing, and and you're and you're just everyone is struggling to get up it. It was it was like a, I don't know, like like clowns and clown cars. Like it was just like what is wrong with us? And then you have to finally like step back and realize it's not you. Don't take it personal. It's an, it's a skating rink out here. No one's getting yeah. anywhere.
0: I, I got to say, me and Eric, with our milestones, we did yeah. pretty good. And that's not a plug just for them. No, it's totally, just the yeah. fact that I was rubbing it in all your faces <laughs> that day as I was doing laps around everybody.
1: Yeah, um, I think I was the only one. And you or were, maybe, the, maybe you were Matt. at the FJ. Yeah, maybe Matt. I think. I don't know what he No, on.
0: Matt was just, his tires are so dry and just <laughs> done that all he was doing was sliding, like yeah. going up and sliding. And he was he had fun, but he was... I think, yeah, I think I was you. the
1: only other one that made it up that far. Matt Vanessa. Yeah, that's, so that's I what I was talking about. about. Matt
0: Schultz, oh, okay. who was with us. So we had two mats. Dude, yeah. Matt's a really common name in overlanding. I don't know if you've noticed that. <laughs> Have you noticed that? We know,
1: like, we <laughs> so s- many mats. I knew maybe two mats before I started overlanding. I think I'm up to like a dozen. Matt's oh yeah, there're
3: a lot of mats and and there are about four circulating names in general. Yes, yeah. so yeah, no, You just totally call right. that name, somebody will You'll get like answer. a
1: quarter of the crowd will turn around. John. <laughs> yeah.
2: John. Whoop. Mike. The other John. John, Mike and Matt. Yeah. You're you're going to you're going to get someone with John, Mike or Matt.
0: <laughs> anyway, so it was a it was a great day. It was a nice little change of pace. Got tons of photos, so definitely uh, my Instagram's uh, happy, and uh, I don't care what anybody says. If I didn't care about what you guys thought, I wouldn't be on Instagram.
2: <laughs> Flat out. Okay? Let's
0: just be honest. Let's just be totally honest. So I totally care. Every time you like my picture, I'm stoked. It gives me a little uh, serotonin hit. And, uh, yeah, I'm not going to bullshit about it.
1: There is, there is this weird feeling, nice feeling, when I look at my phone, and I just see the Instagram, like, alert. Yeah. It goes, ding, ding, ding. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> your mouth
0: starts salivating right. it's,
2: <laughs> so w- bad what is that
1: called the the dog
0: yeah, Pavlov- p- Pavlovian yeah. Yeah, it's very Pavlovian
1: Jeez. yeah we're, uh, we're joking not joking yeah no it's a social dilemma check it out Netflix <laughs> anyways, <laughs> anyways. Uh, hi. hi so that's who we are Emily <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hopefully you still want to sit down and do this no I right, just want to keep listening amateur <laughs> hour is this yeah.
2: <laughs> it's just how we roll
1: um Yeah. So, I mean, thanks for coming on and doing this with us. Um, I've been I think, you know, when we were on the phone um, shortly um, setting this up, I told you I've been wanting to get Ali and I have been wanting to get someone from the rebel rally on this and and talk about it. And it's been something that's just been kind of growing. The presence has been growing. The influence has been growing. The event has been growing. Right. So I'm really I think we're we're really personally just stoked, fired up to to be here finally.
3: Yeah. Thank you. down
1: with you. So tell so, us about you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, here we go. Well, story time.
3: Well, I guess maybe, maybe I'll go to the rebel. Um, other than chief janitor, it, it's it's definitely it's a passion project, um, but it's more than that. It, it's also now, you know, what we do. It, it's people always think, oh, it's it's that little rally you do. <laughs> I think, OK. Who there? I'm like who says oh, that? Oh, plenty of people.
0: <laughs> I don't yeah, I don't Not, think people understand the scope, right? The scope yeah. is huge. Yeah.
3: And it is and I came from the event world, um, production world. I, I own a sports marketing company. Okay. okay. And we do everything from uh, third party press to social uh, media digital um, but also production and, and you know real hands-on, you know, field marketing type efforts and, and events. And so, you know, I've done events of all sizes from small events to, you know, running 70,000 person plus events where you build from scratch, et cetera. And, and, but then I also came from racing and off road, but also other things too, which um, to me are all very similar, which is, you know, cycling, skiing, you know, snowboarding, um, you know, things where you have to line. I always call it line picking sports. Okay. So you're like and all
1: around the background is action sports. Yes, you, yeah, and I
3: I kind of came from that the action sports world, and in in you know I'm really a fish out of water here in Southern California. All my friends <laughs> make fun of me because I'm such a mountain girl. You know, I moved here from Colorado. Okay. You know, home to me is is Crested Butte, Colorado. That's a I'm headed yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> right. a little different, and and now I'm, uh, you know a pseudo surfer which means i didn't grow up surfing and it's such a hard sport i'll be spending the rest of my life you know working on my surfing but very fortunate because i surf right behind those condos over there that you guys can probably see yeah Uh, we'll take a photo
1: of it but it's i mean it's literally like what maybe an eighth of a mile at
2: most yeah but i'm really fortunate you know
3: and and so um i was very uh fortunate to uh, start off-road racing and be taught by someone who was just a legend and a great mentor and I got really a fast-forward lesson in four-wheel drive because his uh, his name was Rod Hall and his world was four-wheel drive and also production vehicles the Mm. vehicles that aren't you know not tube chassis vehicles but vehicles that start their life you know off the production line and so I got this incredible education a real fast-forward education And so, um, you know, I was able to pass it along to, uh, the things that I've learned through my career, but also my passion and hobby as a driver. Um, and then also profession as a coach and a teacher and really kind of package it all up together and turn it into the rebel rally. And so it's been really fun, um, to do that it's, it's definitely a labor of lo- labor of love but god it's you have to i always tell people like you can't really know the rebel until you come see you it. Witness
0: experience it, it. Yeah.
3: yeah it's tough i mean it is a tough rally And I wanted it to be a world class rally, a world class rally, world class event. So that means it's not a little rally. That means you've got fire, you know, on all cylinders. You know, if you want to truly be world class. In your face. So I mean,
0: you didn't wake up one day and just be like, "Oh, I'm going to do the Rebel Rally." Like, how did that progression start? Yeah. Gosh. Um, (laughs) Oh yeah, maybe.
3: You know, I knew I wanted to do um, an event for specifically for women. Okay. Um. And I guess how I really came about it is, I used to teach and, and coach with Rod, and we ran a program for Michelin, BF Goodrich for a long time, and then did all these other events for like General Motors, etc. And we had all these opportunities where women could come; they, everybody's invited, and and some it, it's you know for work they really should come. And you know, further their experience because it'll only help them in their work, and they just didn't show up. I so said, "Why aren't why aren't they showing up? They have the opportunity. Come on in!" But they didn't feel welcomed in. Mm-hmm. I think that they just didn't feel um, that that was probably their place or their space. And as women, yeah, I okay. think so. Yeah. And so a long time ago, I think back in maybe two thousand five, I did an event called. Um, I don't even really remember what it was called. But we invited female journalists and world-class female athletes together where Rod and I would teach them how to drive off-road. Awesome. Which was really cool. And take them through this whole training program. And we had Sue Mead. um, She's a a journalist and been in the world of off-road for a long time. And she came and talked about facts, fiction, and future in alternative powered Powering of Vehicles, which in 2005, we were talking about electric and right. diesel oh, wow. and, you but know, like far hydrogen. Off horizon items. Yeah, it yeah. was really cool. And, and I thought, gosh, there was so much excitement about that event. Um, and it was very interesting because it went so well. I went to a couple of people, to a couple of companies, and I said, you know, we should do this there's such a space for it and you know in our training programs we'd have 24 people every two days so 48 people a week going through these training programs and they there never be any women and then maybe one would show up and then maybe four or five years four years later we might have three Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that was the most we ever had in a training class even though the people were telling me women were the best salespeople they were their best managers they were very impressed with their results so they should have been there, you know right. and it was very interesting because when I said uh, that I wanted to to grow that program, I was told, "How could I do that? That is so sexist to not include men." Oh jeez. <laughs> Come on, guys. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> let's let's just look at the big picture. You know, <laughs> right. really the big picture. And and I totally agree. Like you know, if if women were thirty to fifty percent, you know, we're fifty percent of the driving public. You right. know, we make a massive impact on car sales. Mm. Um, you know, they yeah. say seventy plus percent. You know, we we are very integral into that decision B- decision
1: making process. Right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, and
3: so when we're only maybe one percent of the people. Racing, right, and maybe one percent of the people showing up for a training course, right. You know, there is that space to create something that does welcome women into the space. Um, so yeah, so that kind of started it. I think that kind of kickstarted it. And I also did some training programs uh, just on my own that were specifically for women. Um, and then I also um, I went over to Africa and did the Rally de Gazelle. Um, and there were no Americans, uh, that was really interesting, but here are all these women competing and they were really, really tough competitors, you know, nine day, day rally, very different format from the rebel. Um, and so, you know, straight line can't turn the wheel. Um, but interesting, great way to see the world. Mm -hmm. You know, I was very fortunate with Rod. I got to travel to some amazing places and go and see the, see the world from behind the windshield, which is really cool yep. way to go. And, you know, that also helped my experience. I remember that my, probably my favorite race that I did was actually the um, Vegas Torino when it was a three day okay. rally. That's cool. You know, that was my favorite, you know, when it's multi days, you know, I, yeah. I, I excel like when different it's stages Mm-hmm. and I, I really excel when it's day after day. You know, I'm sort of the last man standing. Like, like, let, let's go till everybody drops. <laughs> That's you know? You Twenty days. That's right. Yeah. And so, yeah, so it was really a culmination of a, a lot of uh, a lot of things, and also a lot of events that I've done, a lot of formats that I've, you know, been involved with, and and really kind of uh, crafted it into this thing called the Rebel. The other thing that was great is I have been able to work with some of the best in the business, you know, and really under pressure situations. And I didn't want it to feel like off-road racing. I really wanted it to welcome people in from all over, Yeah, you know. And so I built a staff and a team that's from different disciplines. So we have people from off-road. We have people from rally. But we also have people from the action sports world. Okay. And um, it's really a, a, a really great combination of people. So it doesn't have this one feel. It doesn't have this, like it's heavily weighted, right. you know, toward one discipline or one vibe. Yeah. And and to tell you the truth, I've, I've surrounded myself with a, a team of people, Chrissy Beavis, who is uh, Travis Pastranas and Tanner Faust Navigator's a, you know, gold medalist in X Games, you know, wow. really top-notch um, rally navigator and driver. Um, her parents started the California off, uh, Rally Series back in the 70s. Oh, They're wow. on our team. They're just legends. Uh, Jimmy Lewis, um, legend motorcycle racer, the guy who's trained Ricky Brayback and, and Casey Curry for, oh, wow. and, a, and a lot of the top um, people too, wow. uh, now, you know, he's the legend for combining fast being fast on a motorcycle with the navigation you know jimmy's my course director chrissy is my um scoring director chris Wu um raced, raced with rod he i would brought him in to be my co-driver he ended up being rod's co-driver and races now with with chad hall and for the general motors program he's my tech director you know and let me tell you they're the kind of people if you don't want an honest answer don't Do ask not them. ask them. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: <laughs> it's a lot of strong personalities to it's deal really with, too, right? Really
3: strong yeah. personalities. And they tell me what they're thinking. And And as a result, you know, they have so much experience, too, and experience globally as well, that as a team, we've been able to make something really, really special.
1: I don't know how many people knew that that the people behind Rebel Rally was, it was such an all-star club. Oh, it's like you. Like, know. I didn't know that. Like, I didn't know that there was such a, like... Some crazy legacy names in that are that are behind it. You know, well, the
0: thing with overlanding, right, in the general public, is you think it's just people with their Toyotas or Jeeps or whatever, building right. them up and kinda, just going, basically, essentially around. camping. It's almost the right. same thing as if you sh- pulled up to Sequoia. Looked at somebody in their tent and said, that's a really cool tent. You want to go tenting sometime? <laughs> you, you want to know? go tenting? <laughs> like, that's honestly what we do. We're like, oh, sure. we just bond with each other, be stuff of our rigs. And we think everything is just around, like, that life. But We're definitely we in a bubble right there. Yeah, right? it's a bubble. Yeah. But you don't realize, like, you know, like, for, for instance, like, when people say, oh, your Little Rally, you're like, we got some big names with huge experience who are the driving forces behind everything we do and decisions we make um, that doesn't come through like just off of face value. Right. You just like, Oh, look, some girls are out there driving. That's cool. And like, you might, they might follow, they might, you know, go along, but you just don't understand like what goes behind it. Because what I was thinking as you were talking is like, so how was that first event? Like the very first, like what did that look like?
3: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, Well, first of all, you know, we have a really unique scoring system and we have, it's a really long rally. I mean, it's the longest competitive rally in in the U.S. How many miles? Yeah, how many miles? It's twenty about twenty five hundred kilometers oh, wow. over um, eight days. Oh, we wow. have one day is not scored, seven days are scored, and so we really didn't even. We had tested it. We had worked so hard on it, but we're not doing it for the first time. You know. So what happens when you take all these people out and you do it for the first time? And you know rules, regulations. You right. know, especially if you're a competitor, boy, those rules and regulations count. Yeah. And we wanted a world class rally that is transparent and fair.
0: How'd you get it and- insured right off the bat?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know,
3: a lot of explaining. Yeah. Um,
1: you want to do what?
3: <laughs> yeah, I was very fortunate because it that was hard. Yeah. You know, it's hard to get it insured. Um, it was. I'm fortunate that I had a background in producing very hard to produce events. Okay. And I had that history and that helped a lot. So, you know, we have 97 people that worked on the Rebel that were staffed this year for the Rebel rally and 86 of them are on site to get 72 competitors. To that the was last year.
1: This mm-hmm. year? So you're wow. over a one to one ratio. Uh huh. Wow. So, what did you start and
3: at? We started at um, 72 competitors and we started at about 55 staff Oh
0: wow, that's that's pretty strong, right? Yeah, okay. and
3: and we knew to that we had to do that to do it right to fire on all cylinders for scoring and competition mm. course operations, base camp, and the moving hard operations, the safety, and yeah. the media. Um, so we had to really have staffed that really well, and then all the things that we have to do, which is having remote dispatch, just the comms, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things. Um, so it's really, uh, it's a beast. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really a beast. So the first one, um, I think I just prayed a lot. <laughs> Please, God, let this happen. Please, God, don't let anybody die. Um, and you know what was amazing? That we, I'm somebody, and my team are the type of people that we're really uh, diligent about preparation. So we didn't leave things to chance. Okay. So that we wouldn't have to deal with any, we knew that unforeseen things were going to come up. So we made sure that the things that we could handle,
0: you were on top of it. We're
3: on top yeah. of it. So when we had curveballs happen, we could handle it. Um, the first day, um, our operation. I just have to tell a funny story because it kind of cracks us up. People like Brian Busby or Drew Deckman are listening to this. We, you know, we have a Michelin star chef and we have this hollywood food truck you know going down the road um and you know we're on dirt and we have an 18 wheeler uh semi with our fuel and amber fuel uh, sources uh resources and it's very interesting because i we gave very strict instructions about how to get to the next base camp and oh wow we're moving on to the next base camp it's being built the other one's being torn down and the guys use Google instead of our directions. GPS? Yeah. Hilarity ensues, I'm sure. (laughs) And we were just talking a bit a minute ago before we started about GPS, you know, and how if you don't zoom in real close, you know, so they go off the route and end up the trail completely disintegrates into a huge silt beds and we lose the fuel truck and the food truck in silt beds. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. The feed energy the people. for both things. Yeah, yeah. Feed, feed, the the people, feed the people,
2: feed the vehicles. vehicles. <laughs> yeah, <that's>, you, <laughs>
3: just, you know, the only thing missing there was water, you know? Right. Oh, so, um, fortunately, uh, Maxtrax is a sponsor. Oh, nice. And we got those, everybody got out with Maxtrax. But I remember oh, over wow. the satellite radio, Chrissy going, Yes, I'm, I'm checking on alternative uh, fuel. Uh, fuel Dinner options from the pizza place in Tonopah. And I'm like, (laughs) what (laughs) did I just hear come over the radio?
1: Can you imagine like the the small pizza shack in Tonopah trying to feed 150 people like on, yeah. a, on a moment's notice.
3: Yeah. It, with 40 mile an hour winds. And oh, and we we got there and the food truck looked like apocalypse now. You know, oh my there, gosh. There's, it turns out it's not airtight. Oh <laughs> no. So it's all yeah. dusty. Oh, I've, it, yeah. I just can't even believe people rent, <laughs> it, like stayed involved with us, you know. Uh, and it just kind of went from there. So the first year we all had this really funny rally and the staff is bonded for life. That's rad. Um but, you know, I, I picked the kind of people that I had already been through the ringer with them. Yeah. Right. You know, so even though some hadn't done things together, I trusted all of them. Yeah. And so I knew we were going to get to the finish. Um, but I always say, you know, the, the staff has our own rally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just our job to make it look really smooth.
1: Right. But yeah. Well, yeah. You know, I think your job is almost harder because you do have your own rally, but it has to be invisible. Right. It has to be seamless so the competitors don't feel like something's falling apart. Like or you guys just,
0: don't know what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Right. To right. instill that
1: confidence and, and keep it going. And it's just like this invisible, you know, behemoth behind the scenes that no one should see and know is happening. So
0: yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm here like shaking my head as you're t- telling the story. And it's like I was heavily involved in uh, actual motorsports with like the D1 Grand Prix from Japan. So the Japanese organization who has the drifting events. Um, came to the United States back in 2003. I joined on around 2004 on. And uh, even throwing like a 15,000 spectator event at Anaheim Stadium is difficult with as many moving pieces. I couldn't imagine taking our entire setup, which actually, no, I know how, I know how long it takes to fill two, you know, 53-foot uh, containers. You know, it's crazy. And then having to go directly to another place unload go to another place, unload. How many times do you guys travel? Like how many stops do you make
3: as base camp? We have four base camps and one marathon stage. So we have our start location, um, our tech inspection. Then we go out to the first base camp, second base camp. And somewhere in the middle, we have a marathon stage where there is no base camp. And then a uh, third base camp, which is a one usually like a one night stay, and then our final base camp is in Glamis. Uh, okay. We always finish there.
0: So is it is it a one location every time? Has it been always one spot? No, no, it's changed. Um,
3: but we stay in Glamis for the final stop each time, no matter what. No matter what. Okay. Because it's the kind of thing too, and we have people who come from you know uh, around the world, and people coming to this, and it's so iconic. You know, and we have these places in the American West that are some of the most iconic off-road places in the world. So when I've gone to other countries, people say, oh, have you ever driven in Glamis? Or okay, have yeah, you ever been yeah. to, you know, the Hammers? Right, right. <laughs> you know, i right. really of the yeah. Hammers. So That's so it, funny. So it, what, to me, it almost feels a little bit like a ripoff if you don't, like, take them to some of these iconic spots. Although some of them are are getting so hammered. Trails are really in Yeah, the yeah. Tough There's, a lot, shape. There's yeah. a lot of traffic. There's a lot of traffic. There's a lot
2: of traffic out there. I mean,
0: this year, especially, it probably put a lot of strain on a lot that, of and, that. And the
2: there.
1: UTVs really eat up a lot of the trails. Like, they almost at some point need to separate the, the UTV traffic from the regular vehicle traffic because those guys use trails a completely different way Oh yeah. than, than the vehicles, not just from the, their weight and their power to weight ratio, but just their outright speed.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like access too. they're able to go like take detours that totally. aren't actual detours and but they can still get through it. And right. so then it chews up parts of the road and the BLM gets upset and then, you know, state whatever gets upset. Everyone gets involved. And then we're dealing with potential closures. Right. Like, yeah. You know,
1: that actually brings up a really, a really good point, though, because um, if, if it's different um, as the the course is different every year.
2: Yes.
1: So, I mean, that in and of itself. Getting access to all this land mm-hmm. for a major event for off-road for vehicles like that's got to be talk about relationship Yeah, right? like I wouldn't think yeah. that would be possible to be honest with you like to get you know Especially for 2,500 kilometers like that's a lot of land
3: it, It's hard and it, it's gotten a lot easier. like it. I, I was saying earlier before the show it There was a lot of education involved to the land management agencies mm-hmm. that you could do a rally that could still respect the, the landscape, you know, respect the desert, respect the terrain and leave it as good or better than mm-hmm. how we found it. Oh, wow. And that took a long time. So I spent about 15 months educating before our first rally and um, it took a lot of time and, and a lot of listening and listening to the concerns and helping them understand the people who grant these permits, understand what the concerns are, and be able to address them and take that time that they needed to understand. They've got a tough job. I've been very fortunate to have really good relationships with land management agencies, but it has taken time.
0: To build that relationship.
3: Yeah, and to um, help. It's always good for us to understand that a lot of people in the community feel like it's our land, it's our right. Right. The only problem is, is there are so many different people who it's their land too. Right. And they have different agendas or different philosophies. Sure. And the tough thing is, is the land management people usually got into it because they love the land. Right. right. And now they're in this really tough position yeah. where they have to balance all these It's a constant viewpoints. huggle. Work. I call right. it putting on yeah. the suit.
0: Like you have, sometimes you got to put on the suit when you have like, you know, I was an ambassador for KC. I used to work at Five Eleven for like five and a half years, and then I built this Jeep, became an ambassador with KC Lights, ended up falling in love with everything off road and overland, and I'm like, I just didn't feel the passion anymore. And you guys came back up. I don't know what episode it was, but we, me and Frank, have already beat this horse. That was actually, death.
1: yeah, that was actually around. Go back and listen to the ones around. For um, the first camp. year, for yeah, summer camp, yeah, yeah,
0: like around August of the first year of our yeah. of our podcast. But anyways. Uh, I digress. Um, <laughs> basically, it's like you –
1: where was I going with that? You're the suit. Put the suit on. Yeah. You got to
0: – I I was an ambassador. I was an enthusiast. I'm out there getting, like, hammered at night with buddies. Like, you know, we're having fun. We're taking pictures. You know, we're doing that, that, that life. And then you go work for a company. And suddenly you're like, well, we're doing a video shoot. I need – all of the assholes to sign waivers, you know, like <laughs> you just flipped your truck, you know, your Jeep, like, you know, like I got to deal with that. Like suddenly you gotta, you gotta become an adult because there's a very, like, I would almost call it like, it's a very youthful vibe to it overlanding. Is. Like we all were all, like, I'm in, I'm 42, but I'm 25 inside, you know, like yes. I'm still right. young inside. And whenever we get together, it's like, it's almost like you go back in time. And you're young again and like that's what summer camp was. It's definitely a regression. (laughs) There's a regression and we have fun and we we enjoy it, but you still have to like especially when you're in charge, you're gonna have to like, you know, all there are rules that we have to follow. Yeah, I
1: mean it's like you learn as you grow up, right, that that and you and I we used to party a lot, not together, but as younger in our in our youth, right? And and the one thing that you learn when you start to kind of build a community like that and party a lot is that you never have fun at your own party. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because you're on point. You're on exactly, point. Exactly. Yeah. You, if you want to have fun, you go to somebody else's party. But you never have fun at your own party because you're – you know, making sure people aren't doing things that are stupid things, making sure the rules are followed, making sure the landlord's not pissed at you, making sure your neighbors aren't pissed at you, right? Making sure every, everybody else is having a good time. Dude, so,
3: I'm so glad you brought that up because now it makes so much sense why I'm the event organizer <laughs> because I was always the one throwing parties. There you go. Yeah. And, and it was always when my parents were out of town yeah, right? and then just stressing <laughs> the whole time.
1: And then you kind of look back <sighs> and you wonder, like, why? Did I do that? Because none of it was fun. Yeah. Like <laughs> dude, the the
0: video shoot we just had with KC, like whatever, a, over a month ago. Yeah. Like, at one point, halfway through, everything was going so smooth, and I turned to my marketing manager Randy and I go, "Randy, can I just chill right now? Like, am I allowed to chill? Yeah. Like, can I relax <laughs> for like?" And he goes, "He goes, Ali, bro, we're doing it. It's cool. You're yeah, good. It's happening." And I'm like, we're "Good. <laughs> okay." I'm like, "This is weird. Like, you know, but." You know, sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes God throws you a little bone and like, hey, enjoy yourself. Right. Yeah. Have fun on the ride. But uh, but yeah, but it is a lot of... I can only imagine how many moving parts you have with the Rebel Rally. And like you, you said, it's over 70, how many? 72, 75 competitors?
3: 72 competitors. 72 um, competitors. This year... Uh, oh, it's got to be are, near the number because we'll it's duels. Yeah, Yeah, right. yeah we've limited it. And previously, um, this year, we're limiting it to 50 teams. Oh, wow. And...
0: Is that for COVID or...
3: Well, some of it was really just starting and open, going into new areas, and not wanting too many. First of all, I think that there's a sweet spot of where you start to lose the feel on the course. Okay. I mean, you should be feel like you're out there alone, lost. And if there's too many people, there's nothing like that feeling. Yeah, because
1: one of the things I noticed too that you guys focus on a lot is navigation. So yeah, I totally get where you're coming from. If you're surrounded by 15 other vehicles, eh, we're not
0: we're not talking about GPS navigation either.
1: No, no, no. No. You're yeah, talking no, about we're like like traditional wayfinding, yeah, analog yeah. and analog navigation, finding a point, nav, you know, getting, the, You're getting pulling the out your compass, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
3: which is an interesting thing about getting the permits because when we lay out the course, I have to request the permits for the main route, but then I also have to have the routes that what in case oh. there's weather and then yeah, and then there you know huh. the dry lake bed is no longer dry. The week of the rally, because then you can't really <laughs> So now can't they go got to bypass right. it. Yeah. And then the mistakes they're going to make. Right. So I have to permit the routes for the mistakes where they're going to drive off the wrong way. Oh, wow. And then we have wow. to create the challenge based on, hey, they can't drive off here because it's a wilderness area. So what kind of format? We, it's kind of almost like a triathlon of rally. And it allows us to look at the land management restrictions and then take a very interesting, challenging type of rally format and apply it there. That'll keep them on track. It's this—it's this really weird chess game, you know. Not only t- to do the rally, but to also just put it together.
1: Yeah, it this is sounds a like the Olympics beast. of spinning plates. Like,
3: <laughs> <laughs> this is like—I to so, remember that one. Like
1: this is so crazy. Like I—I I can only imagine like the amount of things that you have to keep flying in the air at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like all these different rules and people that you've got to satisfy laws and rules and have, you know, like that's insane. Do you guys,
0: so I guess I have two (laughs) questions that's that's come up. One is, are you working with like a land, like a, like a Corva or Tread Lightly? Do you work with somebody like that?
3: Well, we are partners with Tread Lightly.
0: Okay,
2: cool.
3: And um, we really do a lot to promote Tread Lightly principles. Right. Um, and also Leave No Trace principles. Correct. So technically, um, Tread Lightly is a partner sponsor of the Re- Rebel. and But really, I feel like it's our job, I think, in this industry for all of us to promote Tread Lightly. Whether you're yeah. partnered with them, Absolutely. whether you're talking to them or not, you need to be practicing these principles. So. Um, so we can retain our, our rights to it and also just do the right thing.
0: I mean, tread lightly has almost become kind of like a Xerox where it's like tread lightly is just the phrase used in Yeah. In responsible off roading. Like and I'm not even gonna say overland, it's off roading. Like so we're all we're th- under the umbrella, yeah, right? Yeah, we're all right. under the umbrella. Like whether you have an overland rig or you have a straight up rock crawler. Like yeah. everyone should be following motorcycle UTV. The right it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all under that umbrella. The UTV, like you said, UTV is especially because I mean, UTV the entry to the, the, the barrier. The to barrier entry. to entry is so low. Like yeah. you literally go to the dealership, throw down twenty five, whatever thousand dollars, and you've got a very off road capable vehicle that anybody anybody can drive. Yes. Now you have had your FJ for a while you have gone through a progress, a progression of building a rig. That's true. Slowly over time. and That's true. Appreciating and getting, and throughout that time, and like getting in touch with people. And this is very, like UTVs are very akin to some super rich Saudi dude coming, buying Adam, oh, that one dude's Jeep. Right. And taking it wherever
1: he wants to go. Right. right. It's like becoming like, the everyman Saudi. Yeah. But, <laughs> the look, The problem prince. that
3: we have is that, uh, you can you can go to the dealership and you basically buy like a little mini race car totally
2: yeah but you know
3: you don't know how to drive it right just because you know there's no fundamental yes it's go stop and turn but you you don't know how to drive smoothly responsibly you don't know um what kind of gear to take with you in case of a problem like how are you going to get yourself unstuck if you're by yourself how are you are you can you get yourself can you communicate with the outside world when you're outside of cell range do you know what types of plants and dirt you don't want to disturb right. because it's literally going to destroy our desert? You know, right. they, they don't have. That
0: is so right.
3: There's not that education. But with that, there's an opportunity. And I, I think that, you know, hopefully Tread Lightly and some of the different organizations and that we ourselves, I feel like Rebel Rally participants learn so much about the areas where they're going yeah. through, we talk to them, you know, you're going through this type of terrain. These are the concerns. This is how you handle a desert tortoise. This uh, is this, right. when you come upon it, this is how you handle this situation. You know, um, this is what you don't disturb. Yeah. This is what is okay. What this is pre disturbed and okay. And so hopefully they come out, um, a more educated as in the community and then they pass it on. Yeah. I was just going to say that.
1: Is that I feel like I've seen because we do have the luxury of knowing a lot of the competitors um, in the Rebel rally. You know, some of them are fans of the podcast. I've met through the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like once they've gone through this process of doing at least one of the Rebel rallies, it's almost like they become a spokesperson. Afterwards for tread lightly and responsible off-roading and bringing more people into off-roading right with that premise And I think that makes a huge difference and that's one of the things I've noticed most about people like you take um, she's, she's gonna totally love this remember Caitlin, um with uh, Band of the tour Egg, right? Oh, so, yeah,
3: Caitlin Mason.
1: Yeah, and so you see her before she did this and you see her after she did this and The knowledge and the confidence are like night and day and then the yeah. people
0: that you bring into it under your wing tend to be a lot more responsible than had they not, totally had they not had the experience of being with you and hearing your philosophy on off-roading and outdoor um, that it only helps like the more we communicate the more we talk the more we like connect um, it can only help and it's the right kind of connections you know
3: it is and, and I have to say you know we coordinate a competition and our goal is to have a fair World class transparent competition, first and foremost. However, I expect people that carry the brand name Rebel with them, I have high expectations of them. I expect them to be good competitors, honest people, care about our environment. And, and really make leave the world a better place. Sure. It's called Rebel Impact. It's, it's sort nice. of that giving side of, it's everything. Rebel Impact is a brand with, within us. We're not a nonprofit, but we give a lot to nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And we try to give back. But it's what we do beyond the competition that counts. And when I think about it, we have rebels in over 200 cities, uh, what, eight or nine countries wow. and 33 states. Oh, wow. They go home Gosh. and they become an influencer. You know, they have done this cool thing. Right. You know, they didn't turn their cell phone off and go to Cabo and hang out on the beach. Nothing right. wrong with that. But they went and did this super badass thing. Yes. Now they're the, you know, coolest mom on the block or, <laughs> sure. you know, yeah. or, or whatever Whatever it is. And, and they have and some
1: real, like, chops. Like, it's not like, do. right? So they can show up into a group, even if it is dominated by men, and they know what they're talking Dude. about. They've yeah, done it. Yeah, It's trial
3: so by fire. They can walk and, the And walk. they have something to say, and they can make an impact. And I expect it to be positive. And, you know, I don't control that. If they want, they can do whatever they want. But you know what? We we should hold each other accountable to that. You know, what's Mm -hmm. wrong with that? What's wrong with saying, hey, you know, next time you're out on the trail, if you see trash, keep a trash bag with you so that you can pick up some trash along the way. You know, know? that just those little things make a difference.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've got a it's funny that you brought up the badass mom on the block, like whatever. It's like uh, we have a family friend, Debbie. And I just want to give her a quick shout oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Debbie, like, she will sit with any dude and talk shop all day long about off-roading and the whole overland life. And uh, she was driving, I believe, a Land Rover. Land Rover? Oh, Deb. Yeah,
3: Deb. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah she's and awesome. <laughs> she is so
0: rad. And, uh long, dude, I mean, my wife was friends with that entire family, like, before I even met her. And, you know, they've been friends since. And her husband, actually, Nazar, is the one that you rent the the trailers from, the trailer the time, from yep, off the yep, grid. Off the grid. <laughs> yep. So a quick little plug for them just because I like them. And yeah, they're good people. It's awesome to bring them up in context. But She's yeah. done a
3: great job on The Rebel.
0: Yeah. So she, she really got me emotionally involved to where I was like now invested because I knew somebody part of it. And so then that's when I did a little bit of digging and started to realize, wow, this is pretty cool, pretty legit. And, uh, and the fact that it was all women even stood out even more where I'm like, these ladies are more badass than most of the guys I know, a hundred percent, because most of the guys more I know badass than me, have out. no <laughs> idea how to get from point A to point B without their Garmin or Gaia, their Onyx or yes. whatever, you know? And I think that's really cool of what you've built in terms of making sure that's a, a cornerstone of what you do, which is actually be able to be self-sufficient, be self-empowered without relying on things. I mean, you need a compass, you need a map anybody needs a map like christopher columbus had a fucking map
1: so like
0: you guys need to
3: know how to use it
1: yes
0: you You know know how how many people
3: have a compass that have no (laughs) idea how to use it yeah they just think it's it's like what are these numbers
1: they think it's only for the directional yeah and it's there's there's so much more to it there's like all those little tiny numbers and slats all around the compass those all do something like why did that become such a why did that
0: become such a driving force of like being because that's really part of the rebel rally yeah. is like this yeah. self-reliance so what was that
3: yeah you know some of that came from the gazelle you know i came from you know racing etc and you know i know how to read maps you know especially being in the spending a lot of time in the back country i you know i know how to read maps and know how to read terrain but to put it all together and that's your only option of what you have um i, I remember once uh my teammate and i uh whoops, my navigator left the maps in the bivouac for oh. one day of competition. It's like, oh no, uh, That I, I thought it was hilarious Yeah. because you know, you're on a navigation rally and, you're and flying you blind, don't basically. have your map. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> she was freaked out because she thought it was going to be so mad. I just thought it was hilarious. Like, okay, we have to figure it out. And so what she did is, um,
1: All tires, she, she yeah.
3: had a compass and she conferred with another team And we looked at their maps, and then, but we we knew what heading and distance we had to go, and so she took a heading, and got us pointed in the right direction. Took a piece of tape, put it on the windshield of the dashboard. It cast a shadow Mm -hmm. onto the dash onto the dash. Drew a line of spit Uh on that shadow, and then said, "Hold this." Hold this heading and drive as fast as you can. Wow. <laughs> That's so rad. And we nailed the checkpoint.
1: Talk about like just some base level badassery. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up. And,
3: and the thing is, is because as the sun's moving, you need to change that heading again. You know, but if it's more like middle of the day, right. you can go a little longer. But if it's, you know, the sun's coming up or going down, you've got to maybe change that, you know, every so 15 minutes. So dial. she's just like, she's created a sundial on her dashboard. And, you know, we podiumed that <laughs> rally so out of, a hundred, yeah. out of 100 teams and we d- we went a day without maps, you know, <laughs> That's and bitchin'. it was really cool. And so yeah. what it does, too, is it really forces you to read the train like, OK, I can get through here. Right. I can do that. That's my heading. I'm going this direction, not that direction. Yeah. You right. You know, so um, these are such important skills. And when I learn them. Um, I went and learned from the Coast Guard. Um, uh, Coast Guard Auxiliary does a really incredible ocean navigation program for for Coast Guard and, and, and sailors. That's how I learned. Um, but I didn't, you know, I does only learned so much. Does water translate
0: to land?
3: It, uh, the principles of navigation do. Okay. But then you've got to throw in terrain. Topography. Right. Yeah, yeah. But at least you don't have to worry about drift. You know? Right, so, that's true. <laughs> which is really nice. And there are things you can see, which really helps. And so that's where I learned. But as I learned these skills more and more, the other thing that I realized is that I was one of those drivers who said, oh, well, once the concept would get hard, I'd walk away and I'd mean? say, well, I don't need, uh, oh, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like the trying, driver. I'm like uh, It's a good thing I'm the driver. Oh, You're let the, the navigator. the navigator deal with it. Right. Yeah. And, and then I got into a situation with one of my best friends who was my navigator. And we were in Africa. The sun's going down. No one speaks English. Um, we were in a situation where she didn't eat. And she her blood sugar dropped so badly. And this is a world champion athlete. Yes, she couldn't. She just couldn't even think. Wow. I mean, just, and she didn't even know where she was in this three kilometer radius. She just kind of didn't know where she was in the world. Yeah. It was that serious. You know, she's somebody who, you know, you gotta, she's got to eat. And the problem is, is at that moment, I realized that I couldn't be her best teammate. Mm-hmm. Because I said, well, why don't you just triangulate? And she goes, oh, what the You couldn't
1: at that moment pick up the slack to help. Yeah. right." Yeah. And,
3: I, and I had to pick it up and figure it out the best I could. Mm-hmm. That could have been better, yeah. And I realized that I wasn't there to do her job, but I was there to be the best teammate I could be. And if you're a drive, if you're somebody who loves to go out and drive, and loves to go out in the backcountry, you better be a great navigator, hmm. because. And also, somebody who's a navigator, somebody who always re- drives right seat, or yeah. you know, I don't need to drive. There may come a time where you have a medical emergency, and they need to drive you out. So, for everyone who's listening to this, you should have both ace driving and navigation skills yeah. and at least the basics to troubleshoot a problem. Know when, like if something breaks, how to limp yourself home or what, if you can't limp yourself home, what are you going to do? Have a plan.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. Even like you said, for for everyday life, you know, people that just go adventure on their own or travel in that country on their own. Because in my situation, when my wife and I go out, she's typically the navigator and I'm the driver. and She's a really good driver and she's, you know, all into rally and she's she loves just like throwing her little car in the corners and speeding around and she's a she's a really good driver, um, both on and off road. I am not a good navigator. So like that is a prime example where at least I have confidence that something happened to me, she could definitely drive me out. But if if she if I lost her as a navigator and for whatever reason I lost my, my gadgets, I'd be screwed. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I had a interesting experience. So I've now done the Mojave Road three times. Not a single time have I done it from start to the whole way through, all the way through. So I've yet to just one day. I'm just gonna go drive myself to like Arizona and rip it through the 142 miles straight. But so the first time I'd ever done it, I went and I stopped halfway through. And the second time I did it, I went to the halfway point and I finished it. On that personal trip, I was coming back from uh, I was coming back from Shot Show. Shot
1: Show, yeah. yeah. I remember you said that, yeah. I was coming
0: back from Shot Show, and I'm like, you know what? I'm on the fifth. I'm like, what was it? The 15 coming down.
1: Yeah. At that point, I think you're only like a a
0: baker. five or six it miles. Was that, it was, from- a yeah.
3: it was Zizik, Kinda, something yeah, like Zizix. Yeah. Yeah. Baker. Yeah. Like
0: I basically started at the the dry lake bed. Yep. And then went, and uh, I got so turned around because I was depending on like this GPS, and I think Brad from Trail Recon, I had his maps. But like you said, when you're zoomed out all the way, you don't see those little like nuances of like the path. And so I thought I was on the right. And then suddenly, you know, you still see like there's a path in front of you. It's not the right path, but you see a path. So you think you're you're going right. And then like 10, 15, 20 minutes later, I'm like,
1: wait a second. Where am I? Yeah. And depending on how far you're zoomed out, that turn or path could have been a quarter mile away. And then
0: (laughs) like, I don't know what it was. I thought my GPS was preloaded, but the line was gone. Oh, like, wow. And yeah. so now I'm like... Now what? I'm out. And this is like where it's kind of duney, like where it's really sandy. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? And I got to a gate. It was some private property. I'm like, no. That's not that's, right. That's yeah. not right. <laughs> <laughs> and I need to get out of here. And like rock salt starts coming into my mind, you know, yeah. do with a shotgun. And so I'm like, I turn around and I'm like, <laughs> okay, let's look at the topography. And luckily, like Olaf, our buddy, had, had done a course. A friend of ours is very self-reliant, very like prepper. And he had done a course with a few very close friends, and I was included in that to um, do a wayfinding class. So just based off that, I'm like, okay, okay, these lines mean this. So I know there's a valley there, and right, that valley kind of like corresponds that. of where I kind of teed off. So I'm sure that valley has to have a prior road on it. And so I went back to the tee, found that valley. I'm like, sure enough, that was the road. And I started seeing the the, the rocks stacked, and I started following the, the kerns. Yeah. The kerns yeah. the C-A-I-R-N-S-S. right yeah <laughs> started following those and uh yeah i got and i got through it. and then of course there was my whole debacle with not wanting to go through water crossing anymore. right <laughs> one other thing i also want to say is it's not beneath all of us to make bad choices so i've been there where i've maybe taken a detour that i shouldn't have taken if we learn from it that's where the benefit is right mm-hmm. so i have in my life taken detours that i probably shouldn't have gone on I've, I remember Marco Hernandez actually stopping me in Holcomb C- Valley, like Holcomb Creek, like off in that campsite. There's a big valley in front of you and then there's the road and then we were filming there for a for a shoot and I was walking and he goes, Ollie, Ollie, like don't step on those. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not stepping on anything. I'm like, tread lightly. I'm all we're about on, tread we're lightly. We're in the desert. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it was it's Big Bear. Dirt. That oh, was Big Bear. Oh, gotcha, so, gotcha, gotcha. Sorry, I'm switching locations, but we were in Big Bear and we're in Holcomb Creek and I'm walking and he goes, Oh, yeah, yeah, don't step on that. I'm like, What are you even talking about? And what I thought was this dead vegetation. What I thought was, yeah, you hear that <laughs> She's sigh from Emily? She's like, oh. <laughs> I thought it was dead vegetation that was dead. Like, I thought it was like, okay, this is dead plant life because it's like cold. And he's like, Ollie, those, those come back to life. Those come back to life. Spring or something. And yeah. they're beautiful and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, Shit, I thought I was walking on just dead stuff and it's like the age the level of education you kind of really need yeah to truly be tread lightly is a little bit higher than you might think it is yeah and it's hard and none of us are ever going to get it right but as long as you i think you're making the effort like i will never step on one of those again it looks almost like a dead coral almost right it's it's almost like a coral where it comes to life during a certain time of year and looks like it's dead during a certain time of year I'll never step on it again. Yeah. But it's like we only understand those things as we go out, we teach each other, we help each other learn. And I think, yeah. Education has been such a big part of what you guys do too, right?
3: Yeah, and you know, but how many people learn something from doing something right?
1: Sure. Sure,
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I
3: mean, you yeah. Know, that's I, childhood. I always yeah. just say learn from my mistakes. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, and I was fortunate because Rod would say that too. He's like, you know, learn from my mistakes. So you make fewer of them, but, but you really do have to... I think that's something really good about the rebel too, because you make mistakes. There's no way, there's not a single person that's gotten a hundred percent because we actually rank people by percentages. that's gotten a hundred percent in the rally. You know, you right. learn by the mistakes that you make.
0: Yeah. Now the percentage, like we uh, will, we'll get to it, but I really want to make sure we cover how you guys even score. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. But yes. So mistakes for sure. Like you yeah, learn making
3: mistakes, them. you know, you, you learn from them. And boy, that just drives it home.
1: Yeah. And before we even get into scoring, one of the things I want to bring up, because it was a really interesting conversation I think segues really well into the scoring um, that you and I had, Emily, when we were setting this up, it was supposed to be, I think, a 10-minute call. And then it ended up being like a 40-minute call because we just <laughs> like got so into it. <laughs> Fred called me up. He's yeah. like, Ali, this is going to be a two-hour-long episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I feel like I, I feel like if I would have hit record on my phone, we could have had a good 30 minutes of the right. episode yeah. right there alone. I didn't even have to come. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! I could have just sent you the episode. All you just interject whenever you feel beer, it works. So. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the things that that I think um, was is it shows. I mean, I think your insight, but and also kind of segues into the scoring is how different men and women are as competitors, right? And as and as entering into something oh, okay, like yeah. this, right? That's and kind cool. of where they come from and how they approach something like this, and how that played a role in. You know, what you would think would be, well, you know, there's there's rallies all over the world. There's off-road events all over the world. We just cut and paste the rules or, you know, something like that, right? And adapt them slightly. And that's so not the case once you kind of dive into it and you examine the differences between the two. So yeah. tell us a little bit about that.
3: Oh, uh, yeah, I, I think it was, we, we started this conversation about how um, women and men are just different. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to say that as a 100% absolute. Right. You know, otherwise, you There's know, everybody's going to light us up There's here. A you know, well, you, send you their said feedback, it was like a bell curve. It's like a bell curve, right? yes. And so, um, and I've seen it in driving. So, and, and a great place to see this is actually on a track. Um, but, and I also saw this in, in coaching in the uh, tri- tire, light truck tire program. You know, you'd have men that they want to show you, I was I spring forth from the womb, ready to show you that I'm the next Mario Andretti, and right. I, I just I'm just how waiting for my I chance. How fast I am! How good know? I am! Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I came in this world ready to rock.
3: Yes, and <laughs> yeah. and you go out there and it's
1: our father's fault.
3: <laughs> I I think it's just programmed into our DNA. Totally you know? is. And so what I see and I and I think the perfect way to look at this is look at things on the track. Um, like on a pavement track, here. you'll see men, and they'll have this incredible lap, like right out of the gate. And you mm-hmm. go, wow, holy cow, that was fast. And then, and then all of a sudden, the next lap, it's crash and burn. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, well, what happened? You know, well, that, I already proved expensive. what I wanted to, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> see, I'm, you know, I was great. I was Ta-da. winning till I wasn't, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and then, and then, so it's like up here and then they drop down and then they have another, and then they kind of rein it back in a little bit. And it's this kind of up and down mm-hmm. curve as this linear line is going up. And so it's like this and it's really it's, nothing like saying it's like, saying it's like, like their, this on the radio right? or like hills on a, a podcast. But yeah. Hills, hills, and yeah hills and valleys and yeah. valleys in their yeah. performance, right? That's it's, the it's, finger yes, motion
0: she was just making yes. was hills and valleys. Hills. Totally. And,
3: and so uh, what I've seen with women is they'll start out really cautious and they want to like nail the turns and the, and the, And it. Uh, yeah, and get it and imprint it. And so they'll start and they'll start slower, um, but they won't make a lot of mistakes. And so they just keep climbing this way. And then they'll have a point where they kind of plateau off mm-hmm. and then they get pushed again so and, very and feel comfortable. And then, yes, yeah. yeah, very linear. And so what happens is, is the guys, you know, break stuff and then they go, well, I'm going to fix it and make it better so right. it can withstand the technology me. technology will do yeah, <laughs> that. It, so can, it, can, it, can it can handle me, you know, my and, and women will break something and they feel like they just failed. <laughs> and, yes. you know, and, and maybe they did make a mistake. Because usually a lot of times when you're breaking something, you, you made a mistake. It's um, it's not as much, you know, drive the car you, you have, not the car you wish you had. Right. <laughs> you know, and so... Uh, they'll tend to panic when they break something and it's so devastating and heartbreaking that they'll tend to almost like go okay I'm not doing that like anymore. shut down almost. yeah shut down yeah and so um, so they tend to learn how to become really smooth and they get fast and they get good but they don't necessarily know how to fix their stuff mm-hmm. you know or they might not know the ins and outs because they haven't had to learn it what from what mistakes Right. And so, if we could only get them to sort of meet in the middle, <laughs> right. you know, if like, you know, um, to to, you know, have that process of like, it's not about speed yet. It's about getting to know your gear, getting to really hone your style, and hone your uh, your technique. Um, learn how to fix things, put it all together, and keep going in that linear right. trajectory. And uh, but it's they're really different, and you know I can tell you that um, out on the course, uh, the competitors, they all start they're all a little similar, and that you know if you're a competitor you're just a competitor, right? You You know
2: you've got a
1: competitive you know streak in you. Yeah,
3: Yeah. and you know my philosophy is is the best way to be a competitor is, you know, hope that everybody has their best day and you win, (laughs) because then that really validates your preparation. You know, your skill, your preparation, um, and, you know, your team, etc. You know, don't wish for people to make a mistake. Sure. Right. It's a bad yeah. way to lose. Win. Yeah. yeah.
0: Or a bad way to win. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And so what happens on the rebel is a lot of people come in at first, and the first couple of days, it's the same thing. Everybody's kind of a little nervous mm-hmm. there, you know, a couple people throwing up in the bathroom you know, before <laughs> and, you know, they, they go, what, it, what, it, what, it, what was I thinking? Why did I sign up for this? Yeah. You know, and, but they start out and they think they're going to win. And sometimes they think they're going to win something they've never done before sure. with minimal experience. So but they I have mean, this hey, high if, hope.
0: If you're not going into it with that mentality, I mean, yeah. I mean you shouldn't be there. It is it go right. yeah. it's a competition. Yeah.
3: And then they make their first mistake. And then they make their second mistake, nice. and they and then they all of a sudden realize I better have alliances because I'm going to need some help on. Oh, course. interesting.
0: So there's some uh, there's some strategy.
3: There's strat- strategy. It's strategic. Interesting to be a kind competitor. You can be fierce, but you can still be kind. You can be kind, and you don't have to waste time. You know, you basically just don't have to be an ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you might need somebody out there, and, and by the end they realize. They're all, they all just have to help each other get to the finish line and let the chips fall where they're going right. to fall. And it's really, that's why we give a Team Spirit Award. And this year, um, uh, it is voted on by the competitors and also by the course officials. Um, two teams actually tied this year. For oh, wow. And uh, um, we gave $5,000 to the charity of their choices. Nice. And one was a team that's done it every year. Um, the oldest team. Uh, Mama Hoenn and Dana Saxton, they're incredible. Um, they've done it every year. Uh, they also have other experiences from rally outside of this country. And um, they're 64, I think, and 73 years old. Wow. And they that's are awesome, badass, tough as <laughs> that's nails. That's so rad. That's, that's rad. And the other team, um, and that, that money went to the Bethany Hamilton Foundation, um, who's uh, the one armed surfer who okay. actually helps um, people through. Uh, especially young women with limb loss. Soul surfer. Yeah, soul surfer. Yep. And then um, uh, FJ Anna Anna Lewis. Yep. In the FJ and. Uh, oh, there you go. Fran. Yeah, and she's Andrea awesome. Schaffer. Hey, was she they at the awesome.
0: Overland? Yes, that was she's her. At the cleanup. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. and it went to um, pancreatic the pancreatic cancer action um, foundation, and so you know that's really cool because they are competitors we have competitors that win team spirit awards but still go high in the get high in the ranking because you can still embody being a great competitor without tearing somebody else down yeah and that's what's cool about the rally cuz it's not a one day rally i always say anybody can do anything for about 3 days but it gets to be after that it's the Day five, six, seven, eight, where it's just grinding on many?
0: How many days does the rally generally go on? Eight days. Eight days, okay. Yeah, and it's really 10 That's a lot of time to be with one person. That too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: No cell phone. You know, that's the other thing too. They don't have any technology. They don't have a cell phone. They can't come back to camp. They can't like put it away during the day, come back at night and then use their cell phone. So one thing that happens with that that's really cool is you in this day and age... You can make really big mistakes and really blow it. But you can post a picture that makes you believe or the world believe that you're a rock star. And yeah, and you make no mistakes and you're a badass. (laughs) But then you start believing your own press. That's true. And so it's really cool to see like I have to sit with my mistake and then I have to be humbled by it. I have to usually sometimes apologize for it. Then I have to strategize it. And about you're how with I'm the people that potentially
1: saw it or were with you during a yeah. mistake. Right. I mean, so there's really definitely humbling. no hiding from it. Right. Yeah. So, and I think, I think another thing that I think plays a role too is a lot of us, because we, we have the ability with our devices to reach anybody, family members, friends, right. To talk something through or get support. Right. Like you can't just come back from a bad day and call your brother, sister, mother, father, or best friend and talk it out. Right, you're. You almost have to build your support network there so, at camp. Yeah. Well, that's a. And good you don't thing want to be good. coddled, our right? S- you don't
3: want to call home and then have your significant other going. That's okay, honey. You, you know what? It's okay. You can stop.
1: You can just come home.
0: Like,
3: no, oh, yeah. Up. Stopping is not enough. No, our cell phones, like <laughs> our cell phones, banned. Yes. So
0: okay. So one question I have is like, how do you guys police the technology piece? So like, everyone's got like in dash. Like Garmin, whatever, systems, they have their phones. That's true.
1: A lot of these vehicles have it already built in. Yeah, so
0: yeah. what do you guys do?
3: Well, if they can't disable it in tech inspection, we go through all of that. They also have to claim all of their uh, wired devices um, or connected devices. Um, and then we have some things that we can't say about okay, how Okay, sure. No, um, <laughs> but we know. And you can also uh, you can also tell we, there's some things that we, we do know. But also, if they get caught, They have pay a huge fine, and then it's publicly announced that they are cheating. The the shame, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the shame. I mean, people don't want to be shamed. No. And to tell you the truth, it's really hard to use a GPS device and use maps at the same time. It actually slows you way down. Mm. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. And the problem is, um, you know, the way it is, they would really have a hard time, you know, I won't go into the details because sure. I don't want to give anybody ideas. Sure. <laughs> I can tell you we are super, super sensitive there's to a it. But
0: there's a lot to it.
3: Yeah, but what happens, too, is if they can't dis- disable all of their devices and they have to show us, then we actually tape over. We literally will just go in and take their screen and put a piece of cardboard and security tape and security tape the heck out of it. And they can't. That's literally
0: what went into my head was taping the yeah. screen. Oh we yeah, the screen. yeah. The infotainment with stuff like some, some kind of taped out. You can tell if yeah. it's been tampered with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I imagine, and the vibe that I get whenever I see anything having to do with rebel, I don't get the feeling it's like some dirtbag chicks out there like trying to game the system. Like I get. No. Yeah. It feels yeah. very Inherently, communal. It's not that crowd. Yeah. It, it feels extremely yeah. communal. It feels very like. feels very like roots driven. Like you know like. Everybody respects like where it started, what it's doing for their community, and they just every interaction that I've had, even in social, has felt like they're just
1: pushing that out there. It definitely feels like they themselves have some ownership in in in, its exactly good in in its yeah yeah, like like in its growing and
3: continuing. They treat it that way. Yeah, they really do, and I think though our staff we really work on fostering. A certain attitude. And and because we of pit them against each other. We could use rhetoric that turns them against each other every morning and make it just about, I don't, you know, we don't care who it is, you know, you just need to win. Yeah. You know. right. I think whole we like can,
1: desert island scenario and just yeah. try to put them against each <laughs> <Survivor>. other. <Totally>. Right. <laughs> totally. totally. Just turn out someone's torch every night. <laughs> See <you> yeah. Later.
3: <laughs> and I, we could hey, do that.
1: There's a business model.
0: Right. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and I've, you know, so we very, care are careful about how we craft the message and also how we do things like having a team spirit award, you know, like it's, it's a, it's, it's a badge of honor. Yep. I also think that people care so much about the community because a lot of women, and I've heard this, uh, said a lot. I was very fortunate. I always had really great girlfriends, I had a community of great girlfriends growing up. I was always though the, the tomboy had great guy friends, always did sports with all these mm-hmm. guys, but you know, Crested Butte, and and I went to girls' school. Um, I always had this great community, and a lot of women though haven't had it, especially the ones who a lot of athletes haven't necessarily had. Or um, we have a lot of women from the STEM industry: science, technology, engineering, okay. manufacturing. Yeah, um, a very high number of women in STEM um, executives in in STEM type businesses, and. There are hardly any women in those spaces, and now all of a sudden they have this community of like minded women. They may be diverse from different ages, religions, that's got to be almost a culture, yeah, but they are so like minded, yeah, and they are each other's tribe, they've got each other's back. You don't want to be pushed out of that community for forsaking this thing and kind of defiling something that is very sacred. You don't want to get voted sacred. off the island. Yeah. Right. You don't want to get bo- voted off the <laughs> island. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. It, it's a vibe out there that you can feel. And it's really interesting because even like, I didn't even believe Jimmy Lewis would say yes to me to be the course director. You know, Rod originally was starting out as my course director and he had Parkinson's disease and, and, mm. and went down quickly. Um, and so uh, I asked, jimmy because he knows every ounce of trail probably he he and you know johnny campbell probably know every ounce of trail and i didn't think he'd say yes and we had worked together on king of the motos um really closely and he goes hey i don't believe you're going to be able to pull this off i don't think you're going to get the permits <laughs> there's no way
1: there's I mean. that direct honesty right <laughs> yeah
3: In case folks did the same thing he goes no way you will ever pull this off and i went well it's not illegal so it's just going to take a, a lot of willpower time. Right? Yeah. yeah and jimmy um jimmy is blown away, like just at the level of competition, but the way the competitors conduct themselves, and they've gotten so good. And I can tell you that top rebels who are really great navigators and great drivers, you want them on your team. You know, when the apocalypse happens, you want to rebel (laughs) with you. And to think that we have that kind of community is really something that feels really good.
1: That's pretty cool. I'm
3: yeah. going to get
0: my wife, Ashley, to listen to this episode. Yeah. And maybe stoke some kind of flame within tell her. Tell Shannon. Like, yeah. Shannon would love be to be interested. This. I can tell you that. She's I got to teach her how to drive sticks at first. But, you know, like she's more than welcome to take the Jeep and go. Uh, well, go
3: you know forth. what I tell people is we do these four day intensives called Rebel U, Rebel You're University. Right. And it's That's driving the and navigation. The big education piece, right? Yeah. And so those start at the end of April. And I say, if, if you can't do the Rebel, Go do one of these training courses. You know, it not necessarily get to the Rebel, but because you could go and you could fly into somewhere, you know, across the globe, rent a prepped, you know, land cruiser. Sure. Take your gear, take your Max, you know, take your Max tracks, take your compressor, take your gear, and you can go drive off and have a, new, like, see the world differently. And you can do it. Yeah. Um, so I always say at least take a, a really good course and then take those skills because we try to teach these platforms of skills that you're going to practice the rest of your life.
0: Like recovery. Like, yeah. Or even uh, just talk, talk us through that.
3: Yeah. Well, for one thing, how to drive well. Okay. You know, I mean, it, I really think it starts a lot of people focus on recovery. But the first thing you need to focus on, especially if you're going out and driving in remote places, is learn how to not get in the situation where you need recovery anyway. Okay. So nail that skill, Rice. which is throttle control, line choice, all comes from eye placement. Where do you put your eyes? You mm. know, so these, you know, smooth It's also throttle. a mountain biking skill. <laughs> it's, yeah, they're mountain biking skills. Don't you mountain yeah. bike too? Yeah. That's what you yeah. were saying, Frank? Yeah. 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 It's, it's all line picking. Look where picking. you want to
1: be, not where you are. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
3: don't look at what you don't want to go into. Yes, exactly. what we want to drive into. <laughs> and then the other thing, too, is like, well, how do I know if I'm going fast enough? Well, don't look at your speedometer. Ask yourself the question, C-A-R, comfort, accuracy, relaxed. Am I 100% accurate? You know, is it a smooth ride? Is it a comfortable ride? Can a whole half a cup of coffee without Mm. spilling it? You know, am I relaxed behind the wheel or am I gripping it like I'm going to crush? That's true. Like I'm going to break my knuckles off. I've definitely
1: found myself white knuckling or just even, even... just gripping the wheel where I had to like relax my grip and stretch my hand like wow I was really holding on to that, that was section. almost yeah. like
0: three out of four trails in Moab yeah,
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. that's true
0: yeah, I, mean, I, don't, <laughs> no. I don't know if there was any way around that honestly yeah. but and, and so <laughs> work on those
3: skills and then really learn your vehicle like what's your ground clearance do a walk around what's your you know you don't need to know your approach angle degree sure you know you don't need to know all these fancy terms the right yeah You need to understand how to apply it and then learn that and develop that technique. And you'll be using that technique forever Mm -hmm. and then start stacking your skills on top of it. Um, Try things in safe environments. But when you're out there on your own, don't do stupid stuff. You know, like it's, it's really giving people the fundamental platform and it's doing in that order. And then recovery, how to pack, you know, how to pack, what to take. What's fluff? What's going to get in your way? Um,
0: like our buddy Eric says, condo your rig. Like, yeah,
1: like Eric. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> make sure
0: everything's condoed, like properly, yeah. like you know, yep. all in its right place.
3: And then know how to get yourself unstuck. You know, don't and don't rely rely on the easiest tool first. Mm-hmm. The easiest, least dangerous tool first. You know, start there. Because you know, I've been out in the middle of nowhere in some other countries, pretty much alone, and you you really approach it at least you approach things differently when help is not on the way
2: right Right.
3: and it starts with great driving and navigation skill and so we give you those skills in those four days and then you can spend the rest of your life going okay this is the curriculum now go keep practicing it every even practice it when you're driving down the road i always say you're either reinforcing good or bad but Mm -hmm. not a lot of gray area so when you're driving down the road on the pavement You know, are you practicing a smooth throttle? Are you practicing a smooth Mm brake? Where are you putting your eyes? Are you looking, you know, at the end of a turn or through the turn? You know, all those things can be practiced even when we're driving around in Southern California. Yeah.
0: I'm confused. As a man, there's either zero or a hundred. I'm not sure what you're talking about. Smooth. <laughs> 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 I'm
1: kidding. What is this? What is, this? <laughs> what is a smooth? What this you're talking yeah. about smooth? You refer
2: to?
1: I was always taught that the brake pedal and the gas pedal were very binary.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, I, the, I'll t- I, you. Want to hear a story? A good yes. story. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so I remember the first time um, I was getting ready to to drive a race. Um, I was preparing for Vegas Torino, a long has a long time ago. And I was with Rod. And he puts me in a, a manufacturer, stock manufacturer, Hummer H3, just standard uh, off car. Off the lot? Yeah. Okay. And this was back in the day when, you know, 500 <laughs> teams would be racing, Baja, you know, in oh, wow. Vegas Street. Just huge car counts. and And we get out there and he stops me. And I think we're somewhere, you know, south of like Goldfield, Nevada. And he says, get out of the car. Okay, and I hop out of the car, and he goes, "Do you hear that?" And normally you're hearing like wow, 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 and I can hear this, mm-hmm. and and it just went on and on huh. and on. It was so smooth. Okay. And I go, "Yeah, I hear that." And I, he goes, "I bet you a million dollars that's Larry Ragland." Lightning, Larry Ragland. Wow! And, and and Larry's a friend. He's he's a great friend. <laughs> That's rad. He's been a, a great voice in my head and.
1: His nickname should say it all, though, right?
3: Yeah, lightning, lightning, and he sounded so slow compared to everybody else. And when he came past us, he was going so fast because he
0: was just consistent on his yeah,
3: yeah. and he's yeah. and he's it's easy on his gear. Mm-hmm. You know, he's easy on the drivetrain and the brakes yeah, and everything. And I'll never forget that lesson. And that lesson stuck with me. Because goes, you're going to hear that from Larry and the other Larry, Larry Rossler, you know, but to think that we were inside an in enclosed car and he could hear he, it coming yeah, he from across the, the valley because like, he could shit. tell the yeah. difference. Yeah, that was just a, in driving a big style alone. It's, right. like yeah. you're,
1: it's like a, it's like a, like a fingerprint, like an audio print, right? Of just like, this is that driver.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That is so cool. Really cool. <laughs>
1: That's right, so what does your sound like? Do you know
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: no you comment. know i I, like. I well, I have to tell you that I still practice all the time, you know, right. I feel like um I have spent every time I go out there, I still practice all those fundamentals because if you don't you get rusty yeah you you lose that smoothness, you know you lose that connection with your feet, you know. And so I do practice all the time. I feel like it doesn't take a race or a pre-run to get better at driving, you know. Absolutely.
1: I think this is actually a really good spot to end part one. We have a lot to talk about. So we're going to go ahead and break up the episode into two pieces. The next one will be in part two in two weeks. So on that note, let's pay some bills. Uh, This time it's going to be just me because I'm doing this in the editing room after the fact. So first up is our new presenting sponsor, Demelo Off-Road. Check them out at demelooffroad.com. They, they make some fine, fine armor for your Toyota or Lexus overland vehicle um, or off-road vehicle. You can go pretty hard. They have steel and aluminum options and pay special attention to how they develop their products with the inside reinforcements, uh, fitment, you name it, quality of welds. Jason DeMello has been in the business for a very long time, and he knows how to fit these things and how to make them strong. So check them out at DeMelloOffRoad.com. You can also see them on my FJ on Truckee McTruckface. So you know I love it. Um, next up is our other new presenting sponsor, Milestar Tires. Um, you know, from the last episode, we can definitely vouch for their performance, uh, in winter conditions, snowy, icy, you name it. We put those things to the ringer a couple of weeks ago up on Lytle Creek and definitely check out that episode. That by the way, is the episode (laughs) that's just a tribute. Um, but Ali definitely put it the ringer, and so did some of the other guys. And honestly, he's been running those tires for probably the better part of a year, and there's nothing that we've thrown at them that they haven't been able to tackle. So check out Milestar Tires. I believe all run running the Patagonias. so uh, check them out. Um, last up is one of our longest sponsors, KC Highlights. You know it's more than just a brand. It's a big old family, and we love working with them. Um, they've been a huge supporter since the very, very beginning, and we wouldn't have it any other way. Don't forget that you can use discount code RFDKC for a little treat. Um, they would to know what we're doing and who's listening to the podcast. So if you use that code, you'll get yourself a discount, and you'll let them know where you found them. So kchighlights.com. And lastly, let's do something good while we're doing the podcast. Let's support Gear Forward. Uh, You've heard of them many times in our episodes. Um, If you've got new gear or you're going to be preparing for the spring camping season coming up, uh, don't throw that gear away. Donate it to Gear Forward. Uh, They will take that gear and redistribute it to kids in need to get them outdoors and expose them to new worlds that they can explore and build confidence. All right? Um, And don't forget to check out our website, rigfordirt.com. Uh, get some goodies. Help support us. Tell your friends. Point everyone that you know in that direction. <laughs> um, I'm Frank, here doing the outro for everyone at Trucky McTruckface, and don't forget to hit up Ollie at Kate the Jeep and Emily at Rebel Rally. All right, guys, we'll catch you in part two coming up in two weeks. Bye-bye.